Welcome to Sports Trebuchet, issue number 26. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Josh. Follow us on social media at Sports Trebuchet on Twitter and Instagram or email us at sportstrebuchetpod at gmail.com. Uh, also, check out our podcast buddies over at Juicing the Numbers podcast. You'll hear more from them later. Today, we're going to be going over uh, the football transfer window, the upcoming English Premier League season. We're going to talk about female athletes and equal pay. Uh, from a reader suggestion, and we're going to be discussing reader. They read with their ears, um, and discussing our NXT live show experience, and maybe going over a SummerSlam preview. So let's get to it. The most important thing that happened today is the uh, end of the transfer deadline. Josh, you going to take it? Sure, I can take it. Take so, it. The transfer deadline closed. Back to you. <laughs> Riveting news at noon today. Fucking troll. That is uh, that is the shortest segment we'll ever have on this podcast. That's it. Or, no, you know what? You know what the shortest segment was? Was when I tried to get Kyle to tell me the story about pooping his pants and he wouldn't. That was, that was very short. <laughs> um, but for real, let's talk about the Premier League. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the transfer window closed at 5 o'clock today, English time, which is... 12 p.m. Eastern, and for everybody else, it's whatever your time is. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Only two time zones that matter. I'm here. It happened there. That's all we need to worry about. Did you mention about. central time zone? That's God's time zone. Uh, no. It's the perfect It's the perfect time zone. It's not God's time zone because it's on a Myers. Surely God's time zone is the one that's the dead zero. Well, he did take how many days to rise? Seven. Was it seven days? Couldn't it be a plus seven then, technically? Wasn't it three? Didn't he die? I thought it was three. Seven. Oh, wait, Jesus. No, I'm talking about Jesus. God's been dead for a long time, Josh. Look around. He died on Friday and came back on the Monday, didn't he? Classic, just like the weekend off. Yeah. Trying to get rid of it. It's a lad's weekend, babe. Just trust me. Blood's on tour. Judas, you ain't invited. That's funny. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> window closed, and this is a Watford fan, Brighton fan, in here, and we've obviously had a whole other bunch of business going on, but I thought I'd start by asking Kyle how he feels about his window, uh, and who he feels the best sign in Watford made up, and how he feels generally for the season ahead after your transfer window extravaganza. Well, let's say, depends on what time of day you asked me how I felt my uh, transfer window was. If you had asked me at about 10 this morning, I was, a little, I was in my feels, a little sad. When you thought you weren't going to get the guy you wanted, right? <laughs> when I thought that we weren't going to get anybody today, and, it was, <laughs> and we were going to be like hanging our hat in the fact that we got Craig Dawson for $6 million and and uh, Danny Welbeck on a free <laughs> transfer. Um, yeah, I was a little bit upset, but then the, the glorious news came down that we got uh, Ishmael Asar and the thirty or the thirty-one, the twenty-one-year-old uh, Senegalese winger um, played at Ren. And it's not Senegalian. It's not. <laughs> it's Senegalese. Uh, but I'm really, really excited about him. Um, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Don't know if he's going to play next week. He did just get out of the um, the, uh, the Cup of Nations for Africa uh, in, I mean, that ended, what, what three weeks ago? And so, he went to the finals, right? Yeah, that went to the finals. He plays the same team as Sadio Mane, so 
Yeah, they who were. Klopp said was available tomorrow. Wow. Okay. But we'll see. Well, and that, that's the other thing is Asar just came in today. He hasn't even practiced with the team. He's going to get one practice. He might come off maybe as a as a sub. Um, He's going to basically stretch with the team, and then it's going to be game time. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but I mean, overall, I'm pleased with the with the transfer window. Uh, Dawson was a guy that we needed. We needed another center back, and he's getting rave reviews right now. Uh, we got him for pretty cheap, too, for what he could be for the team. Um, Wellbeck, we'll see. I mean, we've discussed this. If he if he's healthy, dude can play. Yep. It's, you know, keeping him healthy. But I think this is a good situation for him because he's not being looked at as the end-all, be-all. You're going to be up front or you're going to be one of the wingers. We've got... You know, up front you still have Dini, you still have Gray. On the right you still have De Lafayou. On the left you have Sar and um, and Pereira still. So I mean, you still have Ken Sema. You got guys that you, you're not putting all your putting all your uh, chips in, in one guy. So, given that, like you said, if he stays fit, it should be a good signing. Uh, I know it ain't your money, so like realistically, you don't care. But do you think you've got value for money when Welbeck? Is rumored to have been signed for five million pound signing on fee, and then a hundred grand a week. English. Well, that's what you said he was asking for. Is it positive that that's what they signed him? Right. We don't know because it's undisclosed. Yeah. yeah. He, he turned down several offers over the summer from teams because he stuck to his guns for that. Okay. Do you think? Do you think he bent? And if so, like, what do you think the value for him is? I mean, it, it, it's it's tough to hi. Uh, it's tough to say honestly because I I heard somebody say that we should only pay him when he's fit. But <laughs> I paid a, a, lot, paid a play situation. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of I've just this morning I asked Brighton fans about the idea of Daniel Sturridge, and the only responses I got were if he was on a pay-to-play basis, and I don't think they really exist anymore. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean. <sighs> Because it's almost you're, it's if, almost a pitch count situation, right? Yeah, is it is it you, you you can use him, but you can't overuse him for fear of injury. If he plays more than half the games this year, I think that it might be worth it. If he produces in those starts games. or just in disinvolved. Um, he doesn't have to start, but I mean, if he's coming on as a sub in like the sixty fifth minute, something like that, you're getting good good minutes out of him. Um, yeah. he's putting in goals. He's He's, he's uh, being creative out there. He's getting the ball into the right people's feet. That sounds weird. But <laughs> but if if that's the case, he plays more... If he's playing 25, 30 of the matches this year, I think that it's a good signing at that point. Um, once again, I don't think he's going to have to put... He's not going to be put into a position where he has to be the guy, which is which is a good position for him. For sure. Um, and then the other things that nobody really talks about is the fact that we didn't lose to Corey we, at this point. We haven't lost Pereira. We haven't lost De La Feu, And we sold a, a guy who played 15 minutes for us over the last two years for 20 million pounds. It would be pretty easy to work out then because when Watford fires on all cylinders, their offense is pretty great. And they score quickly. Mm-hmm. And, or they can score quickly. They can. So when they go two up... In the 15th minute, Welbeck doesn't necessarily have to play the rest of the game if they can hold that lead. Yeah, just sub them out at that point. Yeah, it's just for the 15th minute. Yeah, sub them out at 20. 
<laughs> what a terrible song to be. <laughs> um, I still think that you're looking at mid table for Wofford. Overall, out of ten, what are your rate? What are you rating your transfer window at? Um, because not much got done. I'll say I'll say eight. Okay. Just because they they addressed needs, they addressed things that they wanted to. They didn't do a ton. They did get some people into their uh, into their youth, you know, with uh, uh, Deli Bashiru and people like that. Full manager legend, by the way. There you go, and Sam Dalby, and we'll see. What this is now a football manager podcast. There it is. Um, it's going to be when Flat Earth FC take over Spain. Oh, Jesus, or or heck, the the bait. <laughs> I didn't even know what town it was. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I, they 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 didn't do a ton, but they did what they said they were going to do, and I I'm really excited to see what Sar does. <laughs> it, it really kind of hinges on that. If he comes out and he plays well, he adjusts the league well, then it's, then it's an overall win. Or in the next couple of years, because we've got him for a five year contract. So what number out of ten? Eight. Eight. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. So to the other lad in the room, who is uh, a Brighton fan, a filthy casual. Yeah. <laughs> How do you? Uh, well, for me, like I talk about it all day, every day. So I would like to see your perspective, as even if you are a filthy casual. How do you feel Brighton's transfer window went? Best sign, and all the stuff Kyle just said. <laughs> all right. So, so where you both are more familiar with player names, right? Because I've already forgotten half the names that Bright brought in. Like, I can picture them positionally. But right. I cannot, but I cannot. Can you picture Aaron Moy's head? So, like, for me... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... It's just nasty but thin. So, <laughs> I'm also I'm also getting filtered these opinions from you directly, right? Right. Because you're the man with the plan that has the... Opinions that I'm giving you. Well, you have the knowledge. Well, you have. I mean, you have the knowledge of the club itself, but also exactly how it fits. Because all I ever saw, right, as I pick up Brighton as my team at the beginning of last year was half a season that was really great, and then half a season that was parking the bus. So Trossard probably excites me the most because Glenn Murray's great, but I've also only ever seen Glenn Murray. Uh, in the later half of his career, so I never got to see what you got to see. Well, he can change a great deal, right? I guess. I guess my <laughs> hair. You got to see some hair. I got to see slightly more hair uh, and slightly more pace. Maybe like on a scale of one to a hundred, if he's like thirty. Pace, you, you also got to see it. Like you also got to see a tactic though that was more. Off offensive than right. defensive. When he was playing in the four four two in the championship, and he was a monster. Right. Yeah. So, like my 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 opinion of, for instance, Dale Stevens on the team is a pretty low one because I've only ever seen Dale Stevens pass it left and <laughs> like grab it around the field. Right. So, <laughs> um, that said, uh, Graham Potter is the thing I'm most excited about. Trussard's probably the best signing I'm most excited about. It's also one of those things that, like, it's hard not to get excited about somebody that plays on that side of the pitch. Like and, an and offensive player. That, that and also, uh, I liked Lacadia immediately um, last season. And then he completely fell off. But you could see what he could be. And then combining that with what I know about Graham Potter, which is admittedly, like, 
better every day, but not great. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, for what it's worth, Kyle, I know you're probably not sure, like, even aware, but I, I'm probably sending him a different article every day because he's been doing, know. like, he's been doing the rounds, ain't he? Like, yeah, yeah, he's just, it's constant, it's constant, like, inside Graham Potter's mind. And, like, I'm learning at the same time he is, like, but I'm just mm. like, holy shit, I like him even more. Holy shit, I like him even more. Like, everything he says is just everything you want to hear. Yeah, he's, it's, it's kind of the weird... It's also got me the weird, uh, at the weird like interview thing where like you have a really good interview with somebody and then you're just like, cool. So they just know what to say to every one of my questions or are they just full of shit? I don't think he's full of shit, right? It's a proven product outside of the Premier League. I just don't know how it translates. So I don't think our squad is much stronger than a 17th place finish, but I think tactically, we're much stronger with those same or better pieces with the unfortunate, the unfortunate loaning out of knocker. Uh, I think we're a 13 to 15 place team. If he, if, if he's as good as advertised tech, uh, tactically. Right. So I feel probably a seven out of 10, six out of 10 in that I didn't see us take any steps back. I saw us get younger players and get better and I think that even if those aren't your number one targets, the progress of the people that are already on the team that maybe weren't getting fully full starts before, like Lacadia, or even just the improvement of what uh, March is going to do and what maybe how Gross fits into all of this too, and uh, Johan Batch, Johan Batch, Ali Reza. Whatever you want. Um, that's probably, I'm more excited about that than any signing in, aside from Trissard. He does it like a I immediately scouted him in Football Manager, <laughs> and, I, and I liked what I saw. It was uh, the Valencia friendly, and I'd watched him against Birmingham in the preseason, and I was like, yeah, he's like taking the piss. Like, he's incredibly good at this level in a preseason. And then we played Valencia, and like he, like, he got the ball a couple of times, and they have like this incredibly high press. And like, they just like surround, swarmed him like flies, <laughs> and like, he, I didn't even see what he did, but, like, he was through three players and, like, the crowd erupted. Like, 16,000, like, pretty chill people because I just said a preseason. I'm like, all right. I was the guy. This was worth the 10 quid I paid to enter this shitty Brentley. <laughs> well, and, and, and even just the reinforcement of him being a target for them to focus when he got the ball to swarm him like that because I don't know if you have to put three people to swarm when Murray's touching it up high and then right. trying to dish it. Uh, probably says something about it. It just happens to be nice that that time he broke through. If he does it every time, that's fine because half the battle is drawing the attention. Right. I from mean, someone else. Somebody's going to be open at that right. point. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like the inevitable, like, uh, the, the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line had Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice. And are both of them, like, phenomenal? Absolutely. Did both of them benefit from being right next to each other or being on the same defensive line? Absolutely. I mean, like, you can both, both from lines. a biased point of view, it's the story that there's defense right now, right? Yeah. Like, you have Khalil Mack and Hicks both on the front line. So, like, both of them alone are good. Well, Mack is more than good. But, like, together, it makes both Mack more when you, when you have four... When you have, have four... Jackson back yeah, you have, you have a line <laughs> of four people willing to clean up something. So, if the first person doesn't hit the spot, the next person will. And if they don't... The next person will. So I feel like our team is deeper now 
And sure. with the full offseason with Potter, I think they're – I think it's probably – there's going to be more tools in the bag for him to use, and he'll be willing to use those tools than Newton uh, was prior. Yeah. I think I think if Trossard is the sort of person that's beating his players every time, then like the comparisons of Eden Hazard get slightly more legit, and we sell him for $100 million. But the realistic thing is he ain't going to beat them every time. Yeah. But – I think he presents more than knockout simply because he's already shown uh, the ability to go wide or inside, whereas Naki just always went inside. Well, and, and Naki also had a tendency, and we'll have to see more with Troussard, but he would disappear in games sometimes too, whether the focus was because of defense or because they were focusing on driving it down the left. But there was a lot of times where he didn't touch the ball because either the other team wasn't letting him or he wasn't getting in the spots he needed to. And yeah. him being that small, I don't know how big Dressard is, but he's probably not as small as Knocker. He isn't as small as Knocky. Knocky's very small. Yeah, he's very, very, very small. But he ain't tall either. Uh, Neil Mulpai as well was an interesting one. Supposedly the replacement for Glenn Murray. But at five foot eight, it's a very different kind of replacement. Hey, I'm calm down with that height stuff. Right, but we've seen, but we've seen a lot of stuff with going to the Graham Potter signing where it's not necessarily that they're always going to be swinging in corners. Right. Or not corners, but crosses. And I mean, they're free to if they're going to have Duffy up there, but... Right. Yeah. So but on a fast-paced offense, just going up the middle is just fine. Next question. Who do you think in the Premier League, because I don't know how much you've looked into the other teams, who do you think has had the best transfer window of the Premier League? Are we going to cover the worst, too? We are going to cover the worst, because we have a best and a worst transfer window. Hmm. I can start if you want. Well, Man City was very interesting bringing in Cancelo or... Yeah. 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 I've heard it said Cancelo and Cancelo in one radio broadcast this morning. (laughs) Fair enough. It was the same guy who said two different ways, so... Have I? Uh, That is interesting, because he's basically being brought in as a backup... (laughs) <laughs> right back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just strengthening a team that's already nice and strong. Um, I think Chelsea's had the best one. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't get allowed to do anything Yep. All. <laughs> that is a fucking uh, terrible set of um, <clears throat> Pardon. Uh, I think uh, Aston Villa. Okay. And I think it's um, only because the little bit that I read on... A, it seemed like they signed a shit ton of people, right, as uh, the news was coming out. But it also seemed like they were, after leaving the championship, taking all the people that they maybe, almost the New England Patriots, what the Patriots used to do to the Dolphins, anybody that was a Dolphin and gave them a problem, they just sign them. Wes Walker was one of those guys. And, like, they played in the championship and get, <laughs> get promoted, and then they signed, like, eight unproven Premier League players, maybe, but championship what they perceive to be signable championship talent and stud talent in that league. So it's kind of neat because they're coming up, three teams are coming up, but there's still going to be a swath of championship players, not unlike a dickhead that Manchester United signed, right? The uh, the center back. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. I'm going to bring that up in a little bit. Too, okay. So. Yeah, so... Um, but these guys aren't Harry Maguire, right? And so they're cheaper. They might not be shit. But I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of like just to relate it to American sports so that I can like with the Cardinals 
are doing this year that's going to excite me because it's going to be such a young team. No, that's a really good comparison. The first thing I thought of I love was, the Spurs, actually, what they've done. I, the first, first team I thought of when I asked that question to myself was Villa as well. And then I had nightmares of Fulham because <laughs> that's exactly what I said last year. And I said almost verbatim what you just said. They've signed young players. That's like they've scouted them on Football Manager. Like all these potential wonder kids, they're going to be great in the championship if they go down. They're too good to go down though. That makes some really cool signings, and they were shit. So, yeah, they fell apart. Like, it just—it's wild. But I—they were my first team in my first thought. But then after looking at the moves, I changed my mind. I'm not going to recognize most of the names anyway, so I'm cool with them at least getting up there. And instead of finding top-level talent necessarily across Europe that they can try to bring in, which I think they still did. Like, they still brought in... Oof. I don't know what what country some of these leagues I mean, you are. Could list a but, like, a French. All right. Anwar El Ghazi uh, or Wesley from Bruges. Yeah, Another no. Bruges, Nakamba. The Belgian league has been pillaged. <laughs> <It's not> been <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to give because the Belgian league is... is Seems constantly picked apart. The uh, the fun fact there is Percy Tau, South Africa, Lion of Judah from Brighton, oh, that can never get a work permit, has gone on loan to Club Bruges. <laughs> to so replace all these all guys. All these guys, yeah. And he scored on his debut. <laughs> so hopefully he can get some more visa points, and maybe we'll see him once in his entire life in French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle? Spurs. Okay. Um, I really like Sesson Young. Uh, pick up. They got that low Cielo or low whatever. What the hell? Mike, would you like to talk about Lo Celso? Lo Celso. Giovanni Lo Celso. Yes. yes. Sir. <laughs> and he yes, looks sir. like a beast, so. Yeah, he um, is, uh, by all accounts, a really good passer, but he's also got a fucking nasty, like, 25 yard, 30 yard, a long free kick or like this kind of shots you see Ronaldo would line up like 35 yards out uh, that's apparently his fucking jam and when I looked at his like highlight reel back when I signed him on football manager because Josh maybe you can explain the relevance of football manager but like it's fucking insanely accurate with a lot of shit especially when it comes to like how scouts are looking at other parts of the world people use it I mean, yeah, like, like, <laughs> so like, to give people like a real, real quick overview, Football Manager is like a, uh, like you play, imagine like Madden franchise, connected franchise, but it, but you don't play it yourself. It's all in the database. NFL like, Head they, Coach was a game that was like that. Very close. NFL Head Coach then. Um, and like, yeah, it's very much stat based. It's all text based. Um, it's insanely detailed with the transfers in scouting they actually have um an assigned scout to every single team in like the top divisions of europe and they'll have people do it for free um in like the second division of romania and they will send them email updates every week with like scouting things like they are up to date as hell and about 10 years ago uh everton announced for the first time that they would be using football manager as a scouting tool and since then I would say every single team probably in the UK would not admit it but every single one of them is taking a look at football manager to 
Just just on the off chance. I think that Watford was sponsored by Football Manager at one point. It's, well, because Watford, uh, it's a it's a guy that is a Watford fan. Yeah, Miles Jacobson is the uh, mastermind behind Football Manager, and he is a huge Watford fan. Good for him. Which is Sweet why man. whenever you whenever you see any uh, trailer, so like Football Manager 2020, probably out in November, the trailer, all the examples will be Watford. Every year, like the <laughs> screenshots and everything. Good for like, them. And then, of course, they sponsored you, and I'm sure they're still sponsored. Haven't they, aren't they uh, the sponsor of the dugout seats now? They might be. Like just like keeping them a little it's bit. It's really involved. cool as fuck, honestly. But they are like they are as legit as it gets. Like it's a video game turned business opportunity almost <laughs> for most teams. But I guess that like was going getting back to Spurs, like for a team that did nothing last year and still. Were what top four? They did. Well, they, they were third, third, and they were like the exact same position they were the year before when yeah. they decided not to do anything. Now they've made moves to get better, and that's why I think that they've. To me, that that that's the sign of like winning the <laughs> winning the transfer window. You make if you're that good and you've made moves to to get yourself better. I think that Sessegnon is going to be great there. I think he's going to grow tremendously yeah. under Poch. Well, and Lo Celso is. He played for Real Batiste. It's not like if he played for Real Madrid, he's going for twice the amount for being the same player. He went for really good. Fucking King's Ransom. Yeah. Not like he was signed for... What was he? What did he go for? 65? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> this website does not show that. And, uh, and uh, Undom Ballet as well. I don't know much about him at all, but uh, he seems to be a very good like defensive midfielder, defensive signing mm. for them too, and they spent a lot of money on him early on. Like, there you go. We'll see what happens. No, I agree. I think Spurs had a really big window. Like and bigger like for me, for some of these teams, in order to have a successful window, they also had to keep their best. Yeah. So for me, like Brighton's transfer window is like a 9 out of 10 because we kept Duffy and Dunk. And I said this to you like two months ago. Yeah. Like my biggest transfer request is keeping them two. And we did it. So we like, kept Decore. We kept those guys. We kept all of our best players. And Spurs so, kept Ericsson. So we, who was almost definitely off to somewhere. And he stayed. No. Which is like a <laughs> Manchester United, Real Madrid are interested before they got Hazard. Like there was a lot of teams interested in Ericsson. So would you count that as a strike against like Chelsea letting Hazard walk? Or letting him walk? Selling Hazard? No, he was always going to go this year because he's wanted to go for two or three and they've managed to keep him on. But with the transfer ban, they never had a chance. It's kind of like a total anomaly year for him. Yeah. Because when you have a whole year ban like that, you have no you have no bargaining tools whatsoever. You're yeah. totally at yeah, the mercy. Yeah, you can't like, say, but we're going to get some people in here and you're going to win. And that's what they've been doing to him for two or three years. And they have been signing, like they signed Iguain, they signed a bunch of other players to like, support him and help him and they've stayed relevant. But when the transfer window is nothing because they're banned, like they've got nothing to do. Like that, he, he was always going to go. And they'll pocket that nice whatever how much they spent on him got for him and they'll spend it all next summer I'm sure it'll be an absolute disgrace of a summer for them next year uh, they'll probably spend like 300 million quid I bet it is stupid hi my name is Joshua Tracy and I am Corwin Heller and we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called juicing the numbers we cover the NFL college football MLB and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between if you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at Juicing 
P-O-D. So my winners of the transfer window are Arsenal. We were laughing about them yesterday, but I actually took a look at their sidings. No, I'm, I, that was very close to being... They were quoted at the beginning of June as they will not be doing much transfer business this year. <laughs> Unai Emery stated that they had a £45 million transfer key and they were not able to spend more than that unless they sold people. They spent $130 million this summer <laughs> and they sold one player at the deadline window. Koscielny? Oh, they sold, they sold Koscielny for $4.6 million. Mm-hmm. They sold Carl Jenkinson for an undisclosed to Forrest, so probably like a million or two. Petacek retired. Uh, they got rid of Stefan Lichtensteiner, who was released. Um, they didn't sell anyone else except for Iwobi. So they probably made 40-ish million, and they spent 130. So they spent double what their supposed transfer key was. But Kieran Turney from, Sh- from Celtic mm-hmm. is an excellent fullback. Funny story about him. That's a guy that when Marty and I were playing a uh, a FIFA um, dual team, dual player um, franchise that we started at your old house. Is uh, that the guy when we were both? I Brighton? fucking knew I recognized that. Yeah, that's the dude. That's <laughs> the dude. I, I was like, we need a let's get a let's get a younger right back. Let's bring him in. And that's the guy. Yeah, twenty five million for him, and it's a lot of money, but I think it will be worth every penny for him because. The biggest thing that Arsenal needed was to sort themselves out defensively. <laughs> and he's a great signing. They've signed this lad called William Saliba from Saint Etienne. I guess he's a centre half. They they didn't get rid of Mustafi, who they wanted to get rid of. Same thing. Uh Daniel Cebelos, Chabelos from Real Madrid. Undisclosed, don't know how much he went for. But he is a quality midfielder. Like he is very good. And with Ursul leaving in January. He will probably be their main attacking central midfield threat. And, side note, at 5.5 million on Football Fantasy Prem, steal. Hmm. If he doesn't play for the first couple of games, get him in as a sub towards January, and he is going to be an absolute steal. And then Nicolas Pepe. I feel like you're planting that so that we do it, and it falls (laughs) in our face. Nicolas Pepe is... Nicholas Pepe, uh, Bissouma tried his best to have him come to Brighton, uh, but unfortunately we didn't have £72 million spare and a champions and <laughs> a European campaign to promise him. <laughs> so uh, he went how that worked. just missed out. He went to Arsenal instead. Um, that is That has the potential to be a disgusting front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Nicholas Pepe. He won more penalties than any other player last year. And scored, I think he scored every single one of the penalties. He took all of them and scored them all. Um, he is kind of like Zaha in that he wins fouls for days, but he's also incredibly chill. Like he's like he hasn't got like the throw the toys out of the pram thing that Zaha yeah. has, and like a lot of those players have. Like he's also just like a, the prima donna bit. Yeah, I think they had an excellent transfer window and. After looking at it, like they'll finish top six comfortably this season. Really? Think so? Do you yeah. think they? Do you think they? Well, we can. Go oh over, yeah, we can go they'll be top, top six. Four. Yeah. Do we want to just go over real quick? Whoever had a bad transfer window? Yeah. Well, Chelsea. Okay. You want to include Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a cheat code, isn't it? Really? It is. It is. Personally, I, I want to include Everton in there just because they got denied a couple times by everybody. 
That makes me happy. <laughs> Mike. The palace didn't have a great one. Palace had a real poor transfer window. Well, that and they never got rid of Zaha either, right? So now they're just going to have him be unhappy. Probably be a little bitch about it. Yeah. They have boo-boo face out there. Uh, and without Juan Bissaka and everybody else. Uh, I don't know. I, um, they signed Jordan Ayew from Swansea, who has never been able to cut it as a Premier League striker slash winger. They signed Gary Cahill, who is about 38 years old. and Gary Cahill's the guy that I fucking hated. It wasn't the Watford dude. It was a Craig Dawson. He's slower than Glenn Murray as a centre-back. Uh, they signed Stephen Henderson from Forest. Not even sure why they bothered with that. James McCarthy from Everton is a half-decent sign-in. And then they just signed Victor Camarasa, who was at Cardiff last year. Mm. Uh, half-decent sign-in there. But they've gotten incredibly weaker, as you say. Like, they got rid of Wambasaka, who has not been replaced at all. They spent, they got £50 million for him, and they have not spent really a single penny of it. And Zaha doesn't even want to be there. I'm delighted to say I think they're in trouble. <laughs> and they got Roy Hodgson, right? They do have Roy Hodgson. Isn't that your boy? Or no, who's the Newcastle guy that came in? That Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, that's your Over boy. manager. Yeah, that's about as as far as I go for bad. I can't properly judge uh, some of these names out. That's the names out. What about you, Josh? What do you think? For me, there's a few. What Three Burnley, Wolves, Burnley, and Southampton for me all have bad windows. And I'll tell you why. Burnley brought in nobody that's a proven Premier League footballer other than Jay Rodriguez, who's already played for them and got let go because he wasn't cutting it. <laughs> So they brought him back? Yeah. But they got Danny Drinkwater. They, Southampton have signed two players all window. And they just survived relegation this year. They've, they were 16th, right? Didn't they finish 16th? So, yeah. Just barely above. Because I had them to go down when we did that yes. episode. Mm-hmm. And then Wolves. Um, Wolves have brought in two players. And they've got rid of one, two, three, four players that were on in their squad. They weren't first-team players, but they were in their squad last year. And they have a European campaign this summer, this this autumn. And, and we saw what happened to Burnley last year. And we see what happened to Newcastle and Birmingham and Southampton. And all of these teams that go to what that go to Europe, they struggle. That's so that's, true. So that's, this is things that I have not considered for 500, Alex. And you said that... Exactly what happened to Burnley is probably what's going to happen to them. Could they're in a, they're in a situation where it definitely could be or worse. Yeah. But the issue is purely depth of starters, depth in general, and then having to. I mean, if you think about it, you're playing more games. You're playing around fifteen more games, and that's a lot of time. So, and you're not including travel into that. Yeah, and you're playing midweek. In Romania, yeah, and on, then, some, on an artificial pitch, possibly. Yeah, like, and then coming home, uh, come coming back to England and playing, you know, Bournemouth um, away, and you got to basically play the same guys unless you want to play your youth players. Yeah, because you didn't go out and get the depth. That's one reason why I'm kind of happy Watford didn't make it to Europe this pat this year because we would have had to do a shit ton of signings to. Just give us some sort of depth. Well, if you had the exact offseason you had now, but you still had to do Europe, 
You'd be infinitely more worried. I would be super worried. I mean, we've got guys, but I don't think we'd have enough to to do anything European campaign. If you'd made Europe, (coughs) bold take, if you would have made Europe and done the same transfer window now, you'd have been in my bottom three. Probably. Simply, but and the only reason Wolves probably won't be is simply based on like the talent they have now is really good. Like it is like, like that. But they can still get eliminated from Europe very early, right? And it'd be a non-factor. But no one's gonna try to get. Oh, so here's the thing, right? I'm not sure whereabouts Wolves are in the Europa League qualifying, but I believe they're in the final round of the Europa League qualifying, and if they qualify. They go into the group stages, which means they are definitely going to play at least six games. Gotcha. Okay. So they're locked into those six, and they've already played three. So that's nine. Their preseason has basically been the Europa League qualification. And that's it's like... fucking insane. That's a lot of traveling around. Games that matter. So if they make that group stage, and Burnley were lucky that they didn't. They were out on the very last qualifying round, and it still hurt them. But yeah, they still had a rough, rough season. But if Burnley made the if Burnley made the group stages, that bottom three was probably signed, sealed, delivered in March. Like and Brighton are like, Whew, and we could be sitting under Hewton again because, <laughs> because we because we were never in danger because those three just sank so fast. Yeah, I mean did, Burnley started off real bad, didn't they last year? Real bad, really bad. They only they only got away with it because they had a good twenty nineteen. Like they they came back in the second half and had like a a, a a half of the season that would have put them in like the top twelve if it was just that half. So they're in deep shit. All right. Do we want to go over season expectations at large, or do you want to jump into the top four predictions and the bottom three predictions? I feel like we've done expectations a little bit. Yeah, yeah. no, we've yeah, I think so too. I feel I feel like it's going to be. You know, mid-table for Watford, which is exactly where they need to be. How do you feel, Brighton? Wildly optimistic, quietly said. I really do. Like, I really do. He just... I really feel like he could be our, like, Eddie Howe. Okay. Or, like, Alan Kerbishley. Or, like, Sean Dyke with Deitch with Burnley now. Like, that one manager that takes over. Deitch. Dyke. That takes over a team. That takes over a team. (laughs) And, uh, like, how took over Bournemouth and turned them into, like, this specialist team, right? And Deitch has done the same thing. Pulis did it at Stoke when he was up with them. Like, there's just, every now and again, you get that, like, perfect match. And Bournemouth are never going to go down under Howe. If Eddie Howe leaves... Not that, dude. That team are going to be in big trouble. You and think they'll just sink without a trace? Yeah, I do. Because there's that, like, there's that magic there. That like just somehow allows him to exceed the odds every year, and I just have a sneaky feeling that Potter might be ass. I really do. I can see us finishing like thirteen or higher. Nice. I really do. Or doing a follow and just sinking, <laughs> completely just falling apart. Yeah, that's what everybody's predicting right now. But, but so. playing nice stuff, <laughs> still sinking. Nice. So, so yeah, let's go on to top four. Okay, who wants to go first? I'm the least experienced. Let me go first. I guess. Yeah. So my top four um, in order from one to four. Let's go from four four to one. one. Let's go four to one. It's more enticing. For Everton. Okay. Everton are going to finish fourth place. Wow. They're going to they're going to get into the they're going to get into the top six. You just wait to get the rest of the teams. Three is Tottenham. Okay. Two Liverpool. One Man City. 
Okay. Well, I don't think I think Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man U are probably going to finish in whatever order behind Everton. Total shot in the dark that has no repercussions, but I'm feeling Everton right now. Interesting, hot fucking take. Um, Isn't that hot? They're constantly top seven, eight team, right? So like they're a top ten team, and they flirted with the top four ten years ago, before all the crazy money came in. And, like, it just got ridiculous. But has Manchester United looked as bad since? And or Chelsea been such an unknown since? So maybe five might have been more realistic, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, when Manchester United lost Ferguson and they took uh, David Moyes and then Louis van Gaal and all these different managers over and over, like, they were, like, a top ten team at bet. Like, they were bad. And Everton are one of the teams that profited from it. It's my dark time. period. It's quite like my dark period. For what it's worth. <laughs> my dark period was from... 2016 back. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Arsenal 4, Spurs 3. Oh, do I want to pull the trigger and do it? Does anybody want to give Liverpool the title? Is Man City the 2, Liverpool 1. I'm oh, doing it. I'm, <laughs> I'm pulling the trigger. That's a brave take That's I, I know that that's... I honestly think that that top three is going to be kind of a close battle, too, between Liverpool, Man City, and Spurs. And you had Arsenal at four? Yeah. So for me, uh, it's much more boring. I'm going with Arsenal four, because I really do think they're going to push on, and the other two are too unknown. Spurs third, Liverpool second, and Manchester City first. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I have a horrible feeling that Manchester City might just destroy it. Like I, I'm scared. Just, just torch everybody. Do you think? Do you think Liverpool and Man City, or at least Man City, are going to be ten points clear of second place? I think they might. Yes, I'm. I'm not even sure they lose this season. I think they may be the third ever invincible team. Like truly, like there's just again like a good feeling that I've got that just puts fear in me. Like I just feel like this is going to be the year Pep gets everything right and he wins the league. He probably wins the Champions League. They may even quadruple. Like, there's just something in my brain that's like, I don't ever want to play them, but I know we have to twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an unfortunate circumstance of being oh, in the that, Premier League. That makes right? me feel real upset about watching the season. <laughs> well, it doesn't because no. our teams aren't going to be sniffing it, right? Yeah. So, like, at least we can. Not with that end. Less of us everywhere. At least we know we have two weeks we can take off. Or at least one week we could take off. We could. Hosting Man City, maybe you can get a draw out of them. <laughs> no, it's just a, that's just a 4-1 defeat. All right, same order, same order then. Bottom three, I will go first. Okay. And in no particular order, Sheffield, Norwich, Newcastle. Okay. And at 17, Leicester. Really? The way you talked about a manager being magic, right? I felt like their owner dying last year. Because it happens in American sports too, right? Where like someone, someone tra- yeah, some tragedy helps push a team beyond what they're probably really capable of. And Lester's obviously more capable than doing 17. I feel like this is just an utter collapse. Yeah, it would be too because they've had a good transfer. Yeah, window. yeah, like, they've been okay. They, but teams been... have done it in the past. Like it's not. I mean, it's a fucking bold prediction, but 
just as good as I mean when Newcastle went down the first time like 10 years ago like everybody all season were like they ain't going down they're too good to go down and like that's kind of where the phrase too good to go down came from was <laughs> Newcastle going down 10 years ago because they were far too good to go down and they still were shit and went down so like you never know that would be wild and they came back up and placed fifth in like 2011 or something. We were looking at that today. Yeah. yeah, they didn't sell a single one of their players and kept them all and just like murdered the league. <laughs> My bottom three in order: twenty, Sheffield. I, 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 I just don't have any faith in that working. Um, Nineteen, Burnley. I think it's finally time for that shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> um. 18. I'm going between two teams right now. Okay. Brighton, who? Nope. And Hove. <laughs> yes, Brighton. <laughs> Hove and Albion. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I'm going to say Southampton. Okay. And 18. 17 is Palace. Fair. We can only hope. No, you want it to be switched. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if there is that low period, it would be nice, but. So my three, in order, bottom of the league. Sheffield United as well. No disrespect. We're going to all be so disappointed when they finish 12th. <laughs> I, think I think they've signed like good players. I just I just don't think they're... like I think they're, they've signed good championship players. Just like Huddersfield did that first year. Yeah. But I don't think they have that Wagner magic like we were just saying about eight times. But I don't think, I don't think that uh, Wilder has the same thing, that little grasp. Because Huddersfield like, were like the fairy tale team. Sheffield United ain't. Like, they came up automatic, but it was easy. 19. Palace. And I really hate them anyway. And it would kind of pain me to see them go. Because I would like to just keep them at 17th every year. Just so we can stuff them every year and then do it again the next year. Dunk on them. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> and 17th, Newcastle. What about 18th? 18th. <laughs> Most importantly. <laughs> 18th, Newcastle. I do think 17th are going to be a surprise. I really do. I think it will be... I think it will be one that we don't see coming. Lesser is a bold prediction. My Wolves, could, you said, potentially? Wolves, Bournemouth, Watford ain't safe from it. No. Any of those teams, I think... I think it's going to be a giant cluster for, for like West Ham. 10 down to... West Ham have higher, like moved really well. Like the reason I say it for those teams in particular, Wolves because of Europe, Bournemouth because they're just weird, and Watford because of Gracia, Gracia, yeah. however you say his name. If he goes to a bigger club in like October, November, December, like to a big Spanish team, like he goes to like Villarreal, like I think they're in deep shit. So that's my reason. For putting them in there, I think they're a decent side, but I think they're. Uh, I think a lot of it hinges on the managers for those two, three, yeah. all of those teams. And if any of those managers ain't there, well, I mean, you just said it about Bournemouth. They're in deep shit. If Howe goes, they're definitely down. Yeah. Yeah. What would draw Howe away? Just a bigger job. Yeah. The right big yeah. job. He's been linked with the England job before. Although Southgate's there now, and he's already had an incredible World Cup, so they won't get rid of him anytime soon. But. Yeah. Pochettino leaving could well bring in how he sticks the mold, young develops young players, blah 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 blah. Like that's exactly what they did when they brought in Pochettino from Southampton because he was young 
had good ideas, played nice football, brought up young players. How is the exact same thing? Like, it would be a sensible move. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, that season kicks off tomorrow on the night. Yeah, Liverpool and Norwich. Yeah. Let's uh, let's shift gears and kind of staying in the same sport. Uh, we got a question from a listener or reader. Uh, his name is Seth <laughs> at Hogan WS on Twitter. I want to see you guys go bold, go bold, and discuss female athlete pay. At female athlete pay, which female sports athletes most deserve to be paid at the same scale as males, and why? So let's start on the first question in general, which is just discussing female athlete pay. U.S. Women's National Team demanded equal pay before their World Cup. They won the World Cup. It's been been some time now, so we've sure. had a chance to settle. Uh, and Kyle did a lot of homework on... Not a lot, but I did enough. I did he, some. He, he no spent pressure. hours. Jesus. Hours. <laughs> uh, very upset. Culling over uh, all the data and He's information. He's now just holding cheese, so I guess we know what it's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, go ahead. Oh, okay. However you, want to, however you want to lead it off. Um, so, yeah, let's first talk about, I guess, the women's national team. Uh being compared to the men's national team um and a, a broad statement yes do i agree with with equal pay yes but there's a caveat to that and that has to be how much is the league that you're in bringing in revenue wise because right. you've got to have a pool of money to draw from that's that's the first and foremost you can't just say well WNBA to the, to the NBA, you know, you got a yeah. league that's bringing a ton of money and a league that just doesn't get the viewership, doesn't get the, the attendance, nothing like that. So they have a much smaller pool of money. You can't just say, well, we're going to also sign you to a $120 million contract because the league doesn't have it. The owners don't have it. It's just not. There's not a $120 million roster on the WNBA. Exactly. So, I mean. Yes, pie in the sky. Would I'd love it to be all be equal, but it, yes. But at the end of the day, you're you're only able to get as much money as your league is 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 allowing. What your financial situation is allowing. So that's that's the first thing. Now, when so you with get the, with U.S. Women's National Team, though, weren't they very specific about it just being compared to the U.S. Men's National Team? Like, so yes. they're not they're not wanting to be paid the same by. Like whoever the like the Charlotte or no like the North Carolina yeah so that, yeah so they're called like they don't want to be paid the same there as the same like, as like that sound like a team name. <laughs> no it is North Carolina Courage is it really I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure that's the, that's the women's team I saw it at the house of soccer yeah I'm sure it was the Courage yeah that's yes <laughs> well yes and it's kind of funny that you bring that up because this will kind of get into this conversation okay. about the the women's team and the men's team. Um, first of all, you got to kind of look at revenue-wise. Are they bringing in the same amount of money um, revenue-wise? Now, since 2015, yes, actually, the women have brought in more money than um, <coughs> than the uh, than the men's team. Now, if you went back a, a, one more fiscal year, it does change it because at that point you would have had a men's World, uh, Cup. World Cup run that would have pushed the men's team ahead of the, the women's team by, uh, I think it was $10.8 million. Uh, but in the last four years, yes, the women's team has has, uh, has actually gained more revenue. So in that in that light, yes, you should start to look at, at equal pay. Um, they also did 
redo their collective bargaining, the, the women's the women's team, the collective bargaining uh, agreement in 2016, which helped kind of bridge the gap a little bit to make it uh, to get it closer to equal pay at that point. Um, to give some statistics on that, uh, they used a 20 game scenario uh, before the the prior uh, the pr- well, before using the prior CBA. Uh, the women's team, uh, a na- women's national player would earn around $164,320 less uh, than a similar situated men's national team player that's 38%. Over a 20 game span? Yes. Okay. And that would be a top tier women's player. Now, we're using the new CBA uh, and using a 20 game scenario, you know, with friendlies and things like that, that the U.S., that the Federation can control. Um, now a women's team ma- w- member would earn $28,333 less, which is 89% of the compensation. So it has got, it has progressed at that point. Um, but it's obviously, it's not 100% equal. The other thing you do have to look at with this is that they have a different payment structure. So the men's team, those players are all basically looked at as general contractors. They do not have like a base salary and anything like that that they that they earn money from. They basically are paid on only bonuses. And those they're bonuses paid by FIFA too, right? Like a base Sure, but I mean you're pay a base thing? I, this is this is all just money coming from the federation. Okay. At that point. So they the US football the, 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 yes, the USSF. Uh, so they pay the players only on bonus and you have to be on the 18 man roster to receive pay. You don't just get pay if you're if you're uh, not part of the team. If you're not playing. If, even if you're part of the team but you're not on that 18 man roster that's actually playing the game. If you're sitting in the stands that, that game, yeah. you don't get you paid. Don't get paid, which is fair enough. Yes. Uh, women's team, they're actually treated like employees of the USSF. They anybody um it's also tied in to the to the uh, women's league, as he brought up the NC, the the North Carolina Courage. Yes. Correct. So base salary for the women uh, to play in that league, it's around seventy two thousand dollars a year. A year. So they get that base salary, then you get bonuses on top of that. Also, if you if you're named to the U.S. women's team, you also get another hundred thousand dollars base base salary plus bonuses. Uh, attendance bonuses, things like that. Do you have to play? No. If you're named to the team, you're getting... Okay, so if you're, like, named in the squad, you get Mm -hmm. 100 grand, Mm -hmm. like, in your bank account. Yep. Under the table. Um, But they also get benefits for being part of this. They get health insurance. They get uh, maternity leave. They get adoption. uh, uh, Adoption leave as well. So being in the... In the, for being a contracted, like being like an employee of the USSF at that point. Gotcha. So it's Understood. it's tied into their to the women's league. They it's like hand in hand. Okay. So they've got it's gotcha. two different uh, con two different contracts, two different CBAs at that. point. The same way the men might not have to because they're signed to uh, FC Dallas and presumably have benefits or whatever with mm-hmm. that team, or they're playing for Chelsea yeah. and they've got. Those benefits and et cetera, et cetera. And essentially, that's something. It's it's almost it's a little bit like the AAF at that point, where the league is kind of owned by. It's like the federation, it's like insulin, owns yeah. the league, and they're and insulary, they're trying to uh, maybe I don't I don't know insulary, where it's basically it's 
it's all encapsulated in yeah, one because of, because the women yeah. don't really have an option to go play for an sure. outside league in Europe or Mexico or whatever because they don't really exist. And they do, but I don't think the money is there. This is a little bit more of a stable financial thing for the, for it, and yeah. it helps to grow the fledgling league. They also, you know, you have to look at um, the uh, the rights to, to play the games or to show the games on TV because that will bring in money. Where you really get to see the big disparity... Um, between you know what they're paying the men's national team players and the women's national team players is the World Cup, and that's that's done by FIFA. So this past World Cup, the purse was was uh, thirty million dollars. The winning team got four million dollars. So it's thirty million dollars to disperse between all the teams. Winning team got four million dollars. So that that would be the U.S. They then had to had to divvy that up per the CBA to their players. Right. On the other hand, last summer's men's men's World Cup, the purse was four hundred million dollars. France received thirty eight million dollars, uh, and divvied that up between their players. So there's a huge gap right there. That's where you're really seeing the gap. Um, I don't think that's right because I don't know what the viewership viewership I think was pretty great for for the women's national t- uh, women's uh, World Cup this past. Past summer, I think that that does that is something that really needs to be looked at is the the allocation of funds right there. But in America, right, it's not necessary that England set records every single game. They have more viewers every game than the game. This is, but it's the advertisers that are going to be driving that pot of 140 million, right? And FIFA at large, but 140, 400, 400 million. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. bigger. So 400 million. It's coming from FIFA, but that's by way of sponsorships or mm-hmm. advertising or whatever else. So I don't think... Do you have the viewership numbers? I don't. Or? Okay, I don't. Um, but I'm pretty sure that the, they were the highest that they've ever been. Oh, I'm sure they were. And yeah. and um, I don't think it was like a huge drop-off. Like, uh, you know... That's just me speculating right there. I don't think it was a huge drop. So I have some. I have one thing that I just found here. The U.S. viewership of the 2019 Women's World Cup final was 22 percent higher than the 2018 Men's final. That However, is definitely that is, driven a lot by the fact that they had a, a rather there's a dog in the hunt. Yeah, USA. But you're right. USA was not in one entire World Cup in that scenario, and then the favorites in the other. Correct. <laughs> so I mean that's. Yeah, but it's also it's also easy for anyone to understand why they're saying, like, why aren't we paid the same? Because mm-hmm. why should a 12th man in the NBA make more than the top scorer in the WNBA based on role or whatever? And that's and it goes back to that same argument, right? Revenue that, like, <laughs> that comes into the league. Like, but you also, I think, I think the thing missed largely is... Uh, not only in America, right, but like female sports um, in America are male sports had a 50, 100, whatever year head start. Mm-hmm. And it's probably even greater than that, for instance, in like Japan. Like Japan, there was one club league team. For the entire country in the mid-80s. One entire one. And every older generation and the girls, the women that were playing, now women, then girls, they were playing in that league were 
told that they're not doing you know right and it's and you could just look all over the world a large sect of the world that still looks down on female and right yeah. women independence or their ability to do whatever sure so like speaking it's understandable to talk about crown jewel this weekend yeah <laughs> speaking of crown yeah but like but that's 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 exactly the point is if everyone got to start at zero at the same time then this probably isn't a conversation because women's sports female sports would have been able to grow just as male sports were mm-hmm. but that isn't the case and I would imagine that the rate in which women's tennis or women's golf or women's basketball or women's soccer is growing at a more fantastic rate than the male counterparts back in the late 1800s or 1900s or whatever so I think it's going to get there I understand them wanting them. I understand the female athletes wanting to get to the equal sure. line quicker, but they're but it's still a carriage before the horse situation yeah. because you still got to have. It's not running on donations, mm-hmm. and they're all worth every penny. But in this system, it's as the market defines. Yeah, like here. Now, one thing that is that is weird is so you have that base salary for for the women's national team players. Um, the men's team, they if they lose a game, like uh, they they still get a five mil, a five thousand dollar bonus for playing for playing in the game. So if a men's team loses that twenty game scenario, loses every game, then they make the exact same amount as the women's team if they. For just being named for, for for well going and winning and because that's what they're probably going to do because they're great, yeah. but um, that does seem a little weird that you know you're giving somebody five thousand dollars to play, but it is a contracted out work at that point. So, uh, but off pure stadium revenue and advertising, I understand where that money's coming from. Sure, that was another interesting thing in the uh, Washington Post article that I read is that um, the Nike chairman came out and said that the highest grossing. Uh, Jersey this past year was uh, the women's national home team. I think you've also got to factor in that men, men's football in particular, there are plenty of players that want to play for their country, but you've also got to incentivize those players to leave their clubs to come play for your country. Hmm. Like, so... They give international breaks for that exact reason. Yeah. But you still don't have to go play. If no. you don't want to, for the chance of injury or anything else. The same reason the NFL schedule getting sure. blown up. So, like, if if you're Pulisic and you're at Chelsea and you're having a fantastic year, you want to represent your country, understandably, but maybe you've got a really busy Europe schedule, too, and all this other stuff, and you know maybe you don't have 80 games in a year in you, so you can cut it down to 72 or 65, and those incentives would maybe help push him into, well, I'm guaranteed at least a hundred thousand this year extra by representing my country. Mm-hmm. You don't have to play for your country, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I understand. I understand. Even in a loss, them making money because they're going to want to still. Well, yeah. You can't just. Well, if they're all contracted out, you can't just say, "Oh, you can't play. We're not going to pay you." Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you don't get a base salary. Um, but. Uh, once again, I mean, I, I 100% I agree with equal pay, but the the league needs to be making money. Um, in this situation, I, the, I feel like the U.S. is controlling as much as they can. What, if you really wanted to get really weird, you could say that, you know, the men's team goes out and 
they they don't win the World Cup, but they still make more money during a World Cup lead up. And then the AI, the yeah, they make US, more money in the group stage. Then. Yeah, and then the USSF could reallocate the funds to the to the women's side. But then you get into the sticky situation of, well, that's not money that they earned that 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 the that the women's team earned at that point. And if it was the other way around, it would be a huge issue if they were allocating funds that the women's team earned and and brought it over to the men's team. So I've got two bits that I'll just throw in before we finish. So I'll do one on the national teams and I'll do one with the equal pay in general. Right. Okay. There is a reason why people watch NASCAR or Formula One over Formula Three or like super like supercar running or whatever, some sure. shit. It's because they're faster and it requires higher skill to race those cars. There is a reason why boxing is more popular for men than it is for women because it, it's stronger, it's faster, it's more powerful, it's more brutal. And I think there is an, like, an inherent patriarchal thing of not wanting to see women get hurt. But there is that point of a higher skill gap. Tennis. Tennis, people watch more men's tennis than women's tennis because... There is perceived that they serve faster, they hit quicker, they play more sets. They play five sets to three sets for the women. I do think that the gap that was a little bit closer in, in, in tennis in particular definitely is. But people watch more. People watch the men's hundred meter hundred meters in the Olympics more than they watch the women's. Why? Because the Usain Bolt is the fastest, the fastest human right. on the planet, and I think that I don't think that gap's ever going to disappear. In the in most sports, the elite singular elite athlete is going to be a man, ninety nine percent out of a hundred. Like in my opinion, and I think that is also a driving factor behind it. For phys- right for a physical a physically demanding sport, the man is going to be genetically the superior athlete, <laughs> and we see it with Dallas under fifteens beating the women's national yeah. team. This isn't a slight upon the women. But a lot of people who like sports like to see the very best. And right now, and probably for the foreseeable, the very best are men. Like, and it ain't gonna fix it by compa- like you can't you can't combine the two sports because that's just gonna be ridiculous. Like you can't have Katie Taylor getting into the ring with fucking Deontay Wilder and having having a like haymaker out of the ring. Like you right. can't and you, put, you can't put Alex Morgan up front in a Premier League game. Yeah, and like she's just gonna be decimated. Like you can't put like, you can't put Maria Sharapova or Serena Williams against Federer. And, like, because Federer... Because you've seen matches where they do those games where, like, 150th seed men and man in world tennis beat Serena Williams at ease simply due to the power differential. Like, that is a problem that they need to find other ways to make it unique. They need to stop... Like, for soccer, right? Like, and there was lots of women on the radio that I was listening to at home that were calling for a revamp in the way that soccer fields were made, right? You remember me telling you that? Yeah. They, they, said, they said that it was time to stop competing with the men and just make their own stand and make their own sport. They, their average keeper size is five foot four and the average keeper size for a man is six foot one and they're playing in the same goals. Designed for men. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of area to, to cover at that point. That's why they accommodated tennis down to three sets. Because five sets for women was too much. And tennis, as we just said, is probably one of the better 
sports out there, at least for sponsorship deals. Like, I know for they get high paid. dollar, and it's high, the high class advertisers too that are throwing a yeah. shit ton. Like, Serena Williams worldwide is known just as, she's known more than any male tennis superstar right now. She, it, Serena Williams would be a more well known name. Yeah, Serena Williams would be a more well known name, in my opinion, than Djokovic, Federer, Nadal. I think she would be sure. higher than all of them. It, and that's due to the fact that they have accommodated the women yeah. and they've worked with them better than all the other sports have. Yes, no, they're, they're the example <laughs> of how to elevate and, for lack of a better term, promote. make a brand out of. And now, like, the, and now, like, Wimbledon, I'm pretty sure, paid the same money to each winner. Like, and unfortunately for the dudes, that was lowering their pay. That's how they did it, they cut the pay. But you know what? If you're earning a million pound for uh, for winning it, I don't think you should be complaining. It's not anyway. a million pound. It's more like it's a lot of fucking money. I it's one million pound to win Wimbledon. It was one million. Was that it? Yeah. God. Because if you don't take into effect like the fact that like Djokovic is also sponsored by yeah yeah a laundry list of companies that are paying him five times that. And then my second point is slightly more controversial. Why should you be paid for representing a national team at all? It should be an honor and a privilege. Not, you shouldn't be paid to wear the badge. You should grow up wanting to wear the badge of your national team. It's not the same as going over and shooting brown people because you don't like them and you love America or England. <laughs> but, like, I'm not asking for that kind of nuts patriotism. But when you grew, when I was growing up, I wanted to be Alan Shearer. I wanted to play for England more than anything in the world. A lot of people, and everybody for, for what it's worth, a lot of people put on a gun to go shoot people and innocent people across the world for America because of the pay. Well, then even more so. (laughs) (laughs) Because they can't afford college or because whatever. My view is, and it's been this way for a while, that if you're playing for your team, if you're called up, you shouldn't be paid. You should be... Men, women, no matter what. Yeah, no, I don't care who you are. Honestly, I mean, reimbursed, obviously, right? For like, like, the... America's paying to, your flight. You're not going to have to pay a penny of your stuff. You'll be fed, watered, bedded in the beautiful hotels that they do, fly first class as they do, but you're not going to be paid a salary for that. You'll get all your sponsorship deals, which are like disgustingly high, but you're not going to be paid a wage to play for your national team. This is like the highest honor in your sport. Do you think it also, it also, uh, that also goes over to the Olympics at that point too? It already does. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. We already fuck the Olympians over. Like, we should be paying the Olympians way more than we do, like, in terms of their sponsorship deals and their allowances for their, like, their investment into their sports. The world doesn't pay Olympians enough in terms of, like, investment for their sport. And and, and the, the benefit, well, you're saying those winnings are spread throughout the players, not through the federation for each respective country and their use system, right? Or are they? What happens is, if you take all that money away, you take all that money that you're paying the U.S. women, English women, English men, U.S. men, Spanish women, Spanish men, you put it into grassroots football. That's, and actually improving the sport. That's yeah. £100 million pound that's going out to all of the U.S. for kids, <laughs> for their equipment, for their gear, to get better. We're not lining the pockets of millionaires. They should be honored to play for their country. That money should go to the kids to make the set next generation. Well, I think the argument is that the, 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 the women's national team are not millionaires if if they're a 16th person on that team. Right. Other than maybe you get the advertising money if you're the Alex Morgans in the world. But but when you play in, in your 
respective leagues, you're n- not even touching the money, and that comes right. back to revenue. Right, that goes back to the original argument of yeah. just like those, then, those, then, the money's yeah. not there to, right. to pay. But then, if your yeah, if your money isn't, but neither is the hundred, but neither is the fiftieth seed woman in tennis. Neither is the sixtieth seed man in tennis. He's not being paid. He's probably being paid less than most of like he's probably not being paid seventy two grand a year, guaranteed. He's probably having to earn it in tournaments. Like that's a, like these lower level athletes are also elite as hell. Like don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like if we stepped onto the court with a hundred seat tennis player, man or woman, they would make us eat shit. Yeah, but yeah. like. If they're not I'm good not enough, sure. uh, <laughs> tennis, a uh, male or male or female tennis instructor at any random golf course over here that has a tennis court next to it Just, is yeah. going to spank my ass. Yeah, same. Right. Like, but my view is, if you're an elite level athlete at any sport and you're being asked to represent your country, you shouldn't be paid for that. You should be privileged to get the call. And if your team isn't paying you, if Sussex County Cricket or fucking North Carolina Courage or Manchester United, or fucking Liechtenstein Basketball League ain't paying you enough money, that's on them. And that's what that's that's a lower thing that you need to fix up. You need to do that from the inside. And that's and teams and clubs and federations are doing Well they've done it the exact right way, right? Which is to increase interest in women's soccer so much that now there's a TV deal for a low the a low level the women's soccer league which happens to play at a low level yeah and with those with those games comes the spotlight and with that spotlight becomes sponsorship deals and with those sponsorship deals you're probably being paid more a year to be the 11th worst player on an English on a women's US women's national soccer league team you're you're being paid more to be the 11th worst player on the North Carolina Courage than you would for the entire year of playing for the US Women's National Team. That 100000 is probably... You're probably being paid more on sponsorship deals alone from Fox. Just Fox. Because TV really. deals are outrageous. Right. And like, so there you go. There's the problem solved. You did it the right way. You didn't. Yeah. You sort of didn't see the forest from the trees. You kind of got yourself caught up in something that's not... In my view. Yeah. Well, it's also been tried to be done with, like, the WNBA. They have a TV deal with ESPN. They, you know, the games are played. Um, and they've got a 2K deal. They're, the first, they're in the Yeah, they're in 2K. Days. And the comment sections of those tweets are... I'd rather not see them, but I saw it trending. They're rough. The WNBA are now in 2K. Yeah. Which is awesome. Just imagine the amount of money they're being paid. Well, but it's just also the media coverage, too, right? Exactly. Like, there's, like in, in media, clicks pay money, right? So who's going to write for... The I don't know what the women's league is called, but if you have yeah, a chance to write, yeah. if you have a chance to write for that or write for just Brighton or just Watford level content, what's going to get you the most clicks? It's probably going to be the latter, right? Yeah. So so like by miles, and and I think that I think the market being a very vague term to say it will catch up eventually, but. They just got to keep being as consistent as they've been, not just on the national stage, but boxers are so good now because they've had how many years to study the best boxers? Right. And female sports don't necessarily have that equivalent. Sure. Like They've had to start late. Right. Like, like, du- like WNBA players can have watched NBA their entire life to draw inspiration or whatever it is that they practice and stuff, but there's still some stuff, like you said, there's a line 
of stuff they just might not be able to do. There's I'm not expecting foot, a five foot, a five foot nine, six uh, woman to go out there and dunk on somebody, right? Like right, like, like they can <laughs> their NBA counterparts, perhaps. Yeah. So, and we're yeah. not like that's also the th- that's a real life comparison too, though. Like we're not expecting a twenty three year old college graduate to be producing results at the same level as a chief executive because they don't have the four years of experience they have. And it isn't the 23-year-old's fault, and it isn't Alex Morgan's fault that her sport hasn't had the development. It ain't her fault. And it's it not the guy's fault that's been in the thing for 40 years either. Exactly. Right? Like, it's... like, U.S. men's soccer hasn't been running this agenda against the women's soccer to make it. Like, they're not banning women's soccer, and maybe they did, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, we haven't been... Hot. But that would have been the movement society, and even then, I've just been the, the faux pas... Not faux pas, what's the... Fucking right word the the um, the taboo nature of, of females not being right. you know. which is still there and I'm a I'm a guilty of that when they show the boxing and they have Katie Taylor box I feel uncomfortable watching them two beat shit out of each other and that's purely based on my own issue with seeing women fight and that's not like I'm not saying it's acceptable I'm just saying like that's just how I feel. It's because and you like, grew up with your little sister beating the shit out of you, though, didn't you? No, no. <laughs> I told for frog splashing all <laughs> Alright, I think I think we've I think we've exhausted I think we've skirted the skirted the issue enough. <laughs> we may have skirted I think no. I think we had a really good I conversation think we about it. Smashed the issue. Um, yeah, I think at I, every angle. I think yeah, I'll just say it outright, Pine Sky, yes. Would love women's men's to be equal. It's purely driven by revenue at this point I think for, for leagues to pay and ex- exposure hopefully that catches up that'd be wonderful we are on, we're on the right track yeah it's just gonna, it's gonna take with some sports and their respective leagues are gonna have to do a better job as these opportunities present themselves on capitalizing it for their players mm-hmm. and for those players unions to be able to actually have leverage and I think know, that anything else with the women's league right now I think that the the soccer league I think that they have a golden opportunity right now to oh it's the best one they'll yeah, have yeah and if they you've got, you got an extremely marketable person in, in Alex Morgan yep you've got Megan Rapinoe who is also extremely marketable right now based on the audience those two yes. in every spectrum you want yes and like every age group every and ESPN has say, said we are going to show their games the rest of the year market those players yeah yeah there's there's nine teams there's one level on the pyramid and it's existed for six years you can't expect a league like M- that MLS to... MLS has existed longer and existed in another form before it was called MLS and they're not sniffing the type of money or development that, mm-hmm. that other countries are and maybe if you do get enough uh, maybe if you do get enough behind it where right now it feels a little bit like the AAF where where you know you've got a, an overarching art organization owning these teams maybe they can move away from that that mar- that uh that business model move into right. one Once where it you have profitable you can become your own entity and yeah. then that's when you get the money in there and you can start to and then start it, to and then it's no money yeah and then you become this fucking massive organization if you play yep. your cards right mm-hmm. But this is the time. Yeah, this 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 league, the League in America specifically, has a chance to be the Premier League of women's soccer. And and if they if they play their cards right, it'll be really easy for them to do. Yeah, and they better do it this year because with the 
FA Women's Super League in England, got turning fully professional last year and now starting to invest. And the FA putting a lot of money into them, they better make advantage of it this year. Because otherwise, by 2022, Alex Morgan will be playing for Arsenal ladies. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because yeah and, because and the best players in the U.S. that play for that women's national team will be playing over because there. Because Manchester City and Arsenal and Brighton are putting a lot of money in as a club supporting those players. And North Carolina Courage don't get that because they're not partnered with a Charlotte Independence. And if they were, what are they able to do? Right. Like, yeah. really, it's on the responsibility of the Panthers or the Hurricanes to come together and say, this is a team we want to build up as a Carolina Represents yeah, to help me represent or, or uh, to mold the atmosphere that yeah. is going to need be needed to thrive. Cool. Okay, so uh, we have one or two topics to cover. Do you want to go straight to the SummerSlam preview? Probably best. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> We've gone on much longer. I thought we would. Not that I'm That's cool. Playing it all. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just read off the matches here, and if you want to, you can stop me. Or I can just do them all and tell me what you think about whatever one it is, okay? And we can just we can spring also into, pardon me, uh, Raw and SmackDown over the last few weeks because we haven't talked since uh, Heyman and them took over. Air quotes took over. Uh, Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight Championship. Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. AJ Styles versus Ricochet for the United States Championship. Finn Balor versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon, Bailey versus Ember Moon, Kofi versus Randy Orton, Becky versus Natalia for the Raw Women's Championship. I also forgot to mention the championships for Bailey and Ember is a SmackDown Women's, and Kofi versus Randy is a WWE Championship. My bad. And then Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. And I imagine there's probably going to be uh, one or both of those tag titles defended somewhere in the pre-show. But that's oh. the confirmed card currently. What stands out to you on this card the most? I'm intrigued by the Kofi-Randy Orton match because there is so much history right there. Both of you, especially, knowing that history, right? Yeah. And watching. I think that helps the longevity of it. I mean, I'm excited for it in general. And yeah, I, I wasn't be... there for Kofi v. Randy version one yeah. at SummerSlam back and whenever. But I thought that was, that was a great built-in story. It was, it was right there for him. It was. Yeah. Like, it was fucking, that was free the real estate. Um, the first thing I notice is, uh, what do these things have in common? Goldberg, Trish Stratus, Shane McMahon, Brock Lesnar. Attitude Era. Part-timers. Yeah. At best. And they're all being used to squash people. Because Goldberg's going to squash Dolph Ziggler. They're being used to, they're being used to put asses in seats. They should be used to put people over. And they're going to be used. Only one of them is going to be used to put someone over out of those four. I think Charlotte's going to beat Trish, and I think she's going to heal it the fuck out of it, and it will put her over even more as if she needs it. But the other three, Shane will probably beat Kevin Owens. Uh, God, I hope not. Well, it's Kevin Owens' career on the line, so uh, they'll find that. Which doesn't mean anything. Means nothing. Means nothing anymore. Brock Lesnar will beat Seth. I think so. Never to be seen again until the Royal Rumble. And Goldberg is being given a match just to uh, make up for his, make up for his Saudi Arabia shit show, just like Taker was last month. Yeah, and Ziggler is the perfect squash because he will pull it. He will, he will do sell all the work for him and sell like, the fuck out of that minute and a half match. Yep. Yeah, and and this week they blew off two matches that could have gone to SummerSlam uh, in Alistair versus 
Sammy. Yep. That blew that off on SmackDown, which was a great match. And then the uh, SmackDown, the women's tag titles uh, yeah. with the four-way, which was a phenomenal match, mm-hmm. too, uh, with Alexa, or with Bliss Cross, I think I heard him called. They need, they need to do some terrible remix of Chris Cross and make you jump, jump. Can you imagine? I feel like the card is also kind of small. I'm because okay with cruise, that. If the Cruiserweight will probably be on the uh, pre-show. pre-show, right? And there's probably going to be one more, which will probably be a tag team match. Yeah. Like you, I think you're spot on. They'll just throw on a tag team match. Yeah. Revival them. versus Usos or whatever version of that. Usos can't travel right now. Yeah, <laughs> to get a driver. But then we have nine matches. Oh, and also uh, rumored Roman versus Buddy Murphy, potentially. <laughs> so that might that's not going to be a pre-show. Low key, low key. That's going to be it. That could be a really, really, really cool match. So say there's 10 matches, if you include that, right? There's a lot of people on here that are going to have short matches. Goldberg is going to be a very short match because he can't work that long. Right, Trish, 10 minutes max. Trish right. is going to be 10 minutes max, right? Because for the same reason. I don't know. She spent like 20 minutes in the Rumble. I don't know that's different than doing an actual match, but for she for looks for she looks like great, like in every aspect. I do worry Just, about it, though. I still think it's not going to go on Rumble. And then you got Brock. That never will go. Yeah, and even even his great matches, even his ones that he has like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, they don't go more than ten, fifteen. Well, I think they're just going to spend. No, it'll spend ten minutes before the bell rings. They'll spend a lot of time just injuring Seth Rollins and watching him crawl around a lot. Yeah, because he's already been doing that. Um, I don't even think that the Bray Wyatt Finn Balor match even starts. I think you're probably right. I think that that's their way around it is to keep Finn help keep Finn uh, strong. Is that Bray Wyatt, before the match even starts, Bray Wyatt attacks and beats the fuck out of him. Gives a man with claw, gets out of there. So then you've got... Like, like Finn Balor comes out, he's in the ring. Does, maybe he doesn't even make it to the ring. So at that point, you have five matches to last another three hours. Normally, that's not a... More matches, maybe. But it's not a problem. Because AJ Styles versus Ricochet is great, right? Yes. The problem is that those are also filled with, mostly, specifically, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Right. Which that, is going to go on forever. Which is going to go on just, longer than it should. Well, far longer than it should. I think that, and I also think that the Trish-Charlotte match is going to go on longer than you think. Yeah, that's probably going to be 18 think, or 20 minutes. Yeah, especially since in Toronto. The same thing with Natty and Becky. I think that's going to go long. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't write that off. I think that will go a decent time. Yeah. I do. And I think Bailey and Ember will go at least. I think Bailey and Ember might be one of the best matches of the night. I think it'll be super yeah. fun. Um, I also heard a very interesting theory to kind of piggyback off of my Bray Wyatt thing. Okay. Is that he does what I said, but he shows up later in the show, and after Goldberg squashes the fuck out of Dolph Ziggler, he does his whole attacking legends thing again. And he shows up in the ring in, in Mandible Claws. So he's kind of doing like the Randy Orton Legend Killer gimmick, except it's Ramblin' Rabbit, and he's got uh, a death mask on. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, that'd, be, that'd be fun. It'd be a good way for to use Goldberg to put somebody over. That's true. Also, Seeing as what he's going to probably do to Dolph. Yeah. I did see uh, a gif the other day that said Dolph, after he receives the first spear, and it was just someone doing tumbling, like doing like five backflips <laughs> because of the way he sells. It's, it's gonna be brutal. That I worry for Dolph. It's I'll, gonna I'll, be so stiff. As is the way with WWE in the world, anyways. Right? This is going to the last pay per view kicked ass 
from like top to bottom. It yeah. always does. That's the problem. The ones that like you just have shit build up, and their card ends up being really good, and it's a really fun pay per view. That's what everybody says. It's like you look at you look at all these cards, and they look great, and they just don't know how to get there. Like the Usos, they don't know how to drive in a straight line, and they're all over the fucking in a straight place. line. So, so it's facts of facts. Like I think that uh, there's probably going to be every match, but one or two on here that are going to be fucking grade A solid matches, and then we're going to have NXT the night before, and it's going to smurf anything that. They do. That's also very true. Uh, the big shows have that curse of having to follow the uh, the NXT they, shows. Yeah, they've made their own bed that way. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, I'm going to go ahead and make one prediction for this entire show, that Seth Rollins is going to get stretchered out and then fight his way off the stretcher. I don't know what happens after that, but I guarantee you they're going to do that goddamn stretcher spot. They do it all the fucking time. <laughs> it's like Brock's going to beat the piss out of him. It's not going to ring. The bell's not going to ring. He's going to be... Neck brace, put in the stretcher, then he'll fight his way out, and probably like get f five and just get pinned once the once the match starts. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, you know what? Probably the best female card. Yeah, by a just from name power, but also I think unique matchups like yeah, Trish yeah. Charlotte in general is going to be I think good and introducing Ember into the into the title picture. finally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good. Favorite of mine. I enjoy watching her. She's yeah, well, I mean, it's and she's got for how weird her character kind of is. She's going to be the most charismatic one in the ring um, by a mile because Bailey's not to mention she has one of the kick-ass uh, finishers out there. Yes, yeah, yes. the eclipse is so great. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so I think that's all we've got this week. Premier League talk, equal pay talk, SummerSlam talk. Unless you want to do the takeover card too, but uh, I don't have it pulled up. Do you have it pulled up? If you want it, yeah, read, read it through real quick. Sure. Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai, singles match, no title on the line, of course, because they don't have it. It's funnily enough that they're giving them a, uh, a legitimate storyline match when WWE are yet yeah. to do that at all in any of their Surrounded matches. by the title, though, like it's it's involving the title, but right. it's yeah because on mainstream WWE you can only be a woman in a feud if you want the belt. Yeah, uh, if not, apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're crazy like Alicia Fox. Yes, and or you're dating their boyfriend. Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim for the NXT Women's Championship. Do you think they finally fold the pull the trigger? And I think it might be too early to put it on Mia Yim. I don't know. I really don't. There's been so many times I thought that they should have pulled the trigger and taken it off of Shayna Baszler. Same, but and she keeps going. But you do also have to think about the whole Fox thing where they're trying to make it a more legitimate fighting show and they might want to push Baszler up to the to the SmackDown roster. And putting her up there with Charlotte yeah. and people like that will be a big move. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think it's time to finally take... Yeah, but we've also said that last... Yeah, Mania, Mania, Rumble, last SummerSlam... Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Yim is really good. I just don't know who she feuds with as a face. Eo is a heel. Maybe. Probably Eo. Yeah. She she might. But then Candice LeRae is like overdue a proper run at the strap too. So mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just happy that they're using Candice LeRae at this point. Yeah, Seriously. It's like a long time. It took a long time. I wonder if she was just hurt or something. I wasn't sure what like when she came in for the uh, Gargano um, Andrade match. Who yeah. she could feud with as a as a heel. Mia Ripley. True. Yeah. 
It's a really good one. Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunne. Still and a triple the fucking threat. show. It's going to be a beast. Nah, I think uh, it's... Wait, did you say there's a fourth person in there? No. Okay. In a triple threat. Uh, I don't think it's going to steal the show simply because the main event in a two out of three falls match. Yeah, it's going to be... I'm pretty sure that was the gimmick to Tech Teddy Hooker. Yeah, but they switched it. So one of them chose one of the falls. Yes. One's like a street fight. Pardon me. Cole chose a singles match, just a regular singles match. Gargano chose a street fight. And then if it goes to a tie, Regal is announcing... Regal rules! Well, that first match of them when they did the two out of three falls already had me like behind the sofa with my head in my hands, like yeah. a child for the first yeah. time in 20 years. Introduce like, other things into it, yeah. It is gonna... I am fucking excited. And then the Street Profits, uh, never end in the energy of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, versus the Undisputed Era, Carlo Riley and Bobby Fish. Oof. It's about time they got a decent showing again on okay. Takeover. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen them for a while. Well, yeah. For a while, as O'Reilly and Strong because Fish is hurt. Yeah. Well, we're going to do the same thing as usual, which is if there's a time to call that group up, if the Profits win and if Gargano wins, is it time to bring up? Is it time to bring up the Undisputed, Undisputed Era? I'm I'm hoping that we probably have Swisheroo and have the Undisputed Era win the tags and then Cole lose. I just don't want them to go up. <laughs> like, Makes you nervous. Very, or maybe they, they do. I feel like they do it. They're doing even worse than usual with the with the call ups. Here's the thing: if they really want to get to a point where they might start to think about calling them up, they might finally do the thing where Undisputed Era has all the gold. Yeah, there is that too. Have, like, have you y'all missed? It, or maybe you give them all the gold until the next takeover until and then have them all drop Survivor it Series. And go up. I'm gonna, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much have you guys missed uh, Lars Sullivan, Baron Corbin, and Lacey Evans on your television? Uh, zero. Given that I've barely watched any of the weekly shows barring like minimum highlights. Not Didn't even know they were missing. And the fact that they weren't on any of the highlights speaks volumes. Yeah. I, I honestly... <laughs> that they were supposed forgot to be on, been on TV. I forgot that Lars yeah. Sullivan was even on the roster. Um, I forgot about him too. I thought about him this morning and I was like, what are Lars is doing? Uh, <laughs> probably less than us. Yeah. Oh, because I was listening to a story about uh, Harley Race and his big hands, and uh, yeah, I remember Lars being that that was his gimmick that his hands were so big. But yeah, I, and I was about to say, I mean, we haven't seen Lacey's, uh, Lacey in a month. What a shame though for Lars, because how good was he in that ladder match on NXT? Like he he yes. he was not the glue. He was the wood post, I think. But I think right. he's still a good. I think he's a good. But he was phenomenal. Yeah, and I then, thought he was yeah, going to be like that, a legit guy they could bring up and be a working monster, and yeah, like a baby brawn. <laughs> baby brawn, indeed. Yeah, uh, guys, thank y'all for taking the time. Uh, we will be back. Uh, Kyle and I will be back next week for college football, and then in two weeks from now, it'll be the three of us, and we'll probably be talking NFL, SummerSlam, maybe NFL, Premier League opening fixtures, so much stuff. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be getting deep. Do we need a second show? Bit of marbles. Do we need? Do we need to just record every week? Because I feel like now, especially, it's where it's just. We ugh. are getting not far away from it as the sports real start. It's really a, start. Real start. We'll, yeah. We're going to have to figure out I'll calling into a show if we're going to do that. For now, we'll continue the every other week for the yeah. trebuchet, and then uh, college football. We're doing the big preview episode next week. 
And then we're going to figure that out too to see if we want to do something like a short mini episode every Monday or something like that. Yeah. Um, guys, thank you very much. Have a good rest of the week. Have a great next week. Do y'all have a nickname for like opening weekend? Is it just opening weekends? Yeah. Cool. Have a good opening opening weekend, I guess. Football's back. <laughs>